Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at Yankee Tree Service, the licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Well, it's Wednesday. It's the final day of November. And it's also the final day, as a matter of fact, of uh, Rhode Island existing as we have known it. Since starting tomorrow, cannabis will, be, will now be legal, legally sold. They're calling it recreational marijuana. Now, it's going to be through different dispensaries. I believe they're going to be very successful. Uh, this is certain, certainly something that's been percolating since it's legal in Massachusetts. And as we discussed the other day uh, with Justin Katz, it is amazing how often you do smell it. If you go to New York City, you smell it everywhere. So I'm also curious, I think it's a generational thing, how parents are going to feel our children going to be allowed to use cannabis and smoke it in their home i want to warn people i think you know there's a lot of unknowns here there's you have cars going into stores and build you notice there's a lot of crashes cars going into homes into businesses more so than normal we're not talking about just an accident for something to really veer off the road i think there's something uh, more at play but um more involved but i'll be curious if parents if you're going to allow your young people to use cannabis in your home i think there's still a, i think there's still a taboo about it it's one thing let's just say you have a 20 year old college student 21 year old college student they come home for winter break and you say you know what if they want to have a little beer and wine in the house i'm fine with that if they want to have some friends over summertime all the kids are basically 21 20 years old 21 they're college students yeah if they want to drink a little bit in the backyard i'm okay with that but are people going to feel that way about if they start you know boning up if they start smoking or the edibles are dangerous the more you read about it um i remember the first person that i i read about it was a regular journalist i think it was maureen dowd of the new york times she traveled to colorado who they were the first ones the state to allow it and um and she described taking an edible she was in her hotel room and then all of a sudden she had trouble making it across the room when it all hit i think that's more of a danger uh from what i've read it sounds like that's akin to it's one thing if you're maybe having a few glasses of wine right you're cognizant of of how much you're drinking how long it's taking same thing with you know if someone's drinking some beer they know that they're on their third or fourth but it's a different world if you get into shots the um someone that does several shots and doesn't realize it doesn't realize how potent that is it seems the edibles it's not a perfect analogy but it almost could be akin to someone doing shots where then suddenly boom it's in your system it all hits all at once so that's going to take place tomorrow so i 
I think this is going to be an interesting weekend. They, it's all for the it's all for the money. I mean, I I understand the different factions of it. Um, it's it's far different than it was years ago. You know, there's professional growers. It's cultivated. There are different strains. Um, it is something that's grown. People feel good about that. So all the states that have it, I mean, nothing. No one's falling off the face of the earth. There's obviously a huge uh, difference between that and that first film that I think came out in the 40s or 50s, where there's someone smoking a joint and then they show them like literally like losing their mind. So, but uh, um, it's become more and more common and. Let's see how Rhode Island adapts over the next couple of days. I just have a feeling that it's just going to be such a a big deal. I, I don't think it's a benefit to our state. Uh, there definitely seem to be a little bit of an unmotivated workforce. I think w- within the work field also, workforce, the people are going to have to adjust to that because for a period of time, people that were being drug tested to work at uh, Electric Boat, they had to you know, take a drug test and so many people were failing because they would find cannabis in the system. So I, I don't I don't see how they're gonna allow that. But I just think the next few months, the more and more you're gonna have people, you know, I'm just picturing some whatever, twenty five year old guy and he's unemployed and he lives with his parents and he needs to go out and find a job, but instead now he can take a stroll or take a quick ride and it's 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and he does a wake and bake and then next thing you know it's 4 30 and he hasn't done anything or accomplished anything i think we're going to have a lot of that i'm not sure uh it, I, don't, I don't see that as a benefit to the state i'm not sure that would be considered a benefit to the state now also if you'd like to check out depetro.com i did go to the state house last night you have a number of people that are sleeping out there. Tonight's also the tree lighting for Governor McKee. Now, that's inside. They're outside. They're homeless advocates. They put out some high numbers. They claim there are 500 people that are out on the streets. I, I, don't, I don't know how the homeless problem, if, if Rhode Island doesn't get a handle on it, you know, they, they didn't always have 65,000 people out on the streets of los angeles the way they do now so you know th- this is a problem as i mentioned the other day when i talked to the, the person they he claims a lot of the people have some form of a disability so they have some money coming in but they don't have enough to pay a rent i to, to pay a rent or my, my god a mortgage is out of the question they don't even have an apartment so something needs to give with people that seem for for lack of a better word content to live a little bit of a vagabond lifestyle they don't have the motivation to get their own home and there seems to be some uh there's a difference between for instance no one wants them on the street no one likes the idea that someone is out there it's cold under any weather and they they don't you know that no one wants someone just out in the street and they have they have nowhere to go now a lot of people don't like the shelter life the shelter life is supposed to just be for just one night you need quote just that shelter for the night and then they can't stay there all day so it's not a solution where all the things go and everything else so but we seem to be at I don't know if breaking point is the right way, but we're, we're definitely at a crossroads here that, you know, no one likes the idea that people are out there on the street. And then at the same time, they, it's not a solution to give them hotel vouchers. So then they just live it up for a few months. But it's it's really Band-Aids. They're not solving anything. I think we have to identify that there are a number of people, and it, it comes really out of the Bernie, remember it was the Bernie Sanders, it's the far left idea, and it's those who choose not to work. There are people that just say, I'm, I'm not getting a job. I don't want to get a job. Uh, we, we can criticize it all we want. 
and there's room for a lot of criticism here but they're they're in essence saying i want society to take care of me i'm very comfortable just going on as other countries the public dole i i want money each month i want enough food i'm not going to have luxury items but i don't want to live on the street i don't want to work but i don't want to live in the street and that's where we're at i think we're at a crossroads with you know and i'm not trying to be dr phil here but we're almost at a crossroads with society like what are we going to do with these people i'll also i mean we can't ignore the legalization of cannabis is not going to help the the situation there are a lot of those drugs they're not even they're in no way good for people that already have some kind of mental challenges problems that they're dealing with problems people that have certain medical conditions getting high all the time is not going to improve it there are some people that they 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 they're high all day long and they just smoke all day long and they just stay in this it's almost like a, a constant state of just of being you know stoned or being euphoria whatever it may be they're not falling asleep there's different strains there are you know plenty of strains that then the people have coffee or whatever they have and take something else and they're they're wide awake high as a kite you do have the strains that they then you know people tend to nod off and use it for pain medication or sleep but i think that's just where we're headed and they're the advocates for that those that choose not to work and but we're gonna as a society take care of them in rhode island they're getting louder and louder i don't think it's it's allowed as 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 much uh to exist in other states you know the state has had a problem retaining citizens a lot of people have moved out a lot of people move elsewhere people that want to start a business move elsewhere people that want to retire move elsewhere so you're kind of stuck with a malaise of a welfare state of some pretty unmotivated individuals who need a lot of state and government services so how we're going to move on from that governor mckee seemingly now he has a decision to make because these people are just camped out you can see it i posted the video on the website to petro.com um they, they can't stay there it, it it looks bad it's not designed that way it's it's also our state house having this little shanty village of tents by the way that's becoming more and more remember the, the years ago you think of the the homeless person the hobo and it'd be like a cardboard box now everyone has a tent and then you have these people who the the do-gooders they donate expensive tents <laughs> to the homeless people you have people that they, they're carrying around and traveling around with a one thousand dollar tent and that certainly can withstand the weather i don't know how warm it is uh but they certainly can withstand the weather and the people at the state house you can see the video they use the train station use the restroom and then they use the state house or the state office building to use the restroom and go in there and wash up a little bit brush it i mean it's just like what is this this is no kind of solution i i i still me i still believe there's a, a lot of individuals that are enabling this type of lifestyle and it's becoming a lifestyle you know because they're they're entire they can't do anything else their entire life revolves around literally at times living hour to hour you know where am i going to get lunch then i have to get dinner then i have to set up that i'm gonna you know set up for the night then i have to make it through the night now i have to use the restroom now i have to find a place where i can take a shower i mean the basic necessities become major priorities because of living out there on the street now also last night i mean there are individuals they're smoking cigarettes they're expensive there's a lot of weed going around um they they, they all have cell phones everybody's got money for certain things but i just don't know how we're going to function and how we're going to accept it would be to me it goes back to the classroom if what would the teacher do there's going to be some students that are just not going to produce the homework they're not going to do any homework they're going to sit there in the class and you have to kind of work around them and all the other students are going to have to work harder um I, i'm uncomfortable with it i don't think it's healthy for the individuals it's not fair to everyone else that works hard and you know everyone's got to pitch in 
Everyone's got to, um, everyone has to, um, you know, contribute in some way. You were put on this earth for a reason. You have to earn your keep, so to speak. So this business of people that, no, I don't think I'm going to work. I'd like you to provide a house for me. And those people are going to feed me. And then that person's going to let me take a shower. And then that person's going to give me free help. Like, I don't know where this is going because it doesn't stop. And as these people get older, right, they just get set in their ways. I think it's very dangerous. You see some of these younger people out there. And they've been doing this since they were 18. And I, I interviewed one of them last night. He's 28. And... You know, and now it starts to, it literally becomes like a way of life. And they become advocates and they want more resources available to them. And they start to know the circuit. They know where you can get breakfast. They know where you can, they know where they can get lunch. They know where they can get dinner. Another problem is they can't venture too far because all these things can happen. But these people get sick. And, you know, it's one thing you're going around and you're getting, you know, your three meals a day plus whatever else but then if you're sick and then you're you know infecting others and dragging it around plus then it's cold out then it's snowy I, I, I this is insanity and now they have to have these pallets they're going to live in the pallets this isn't solving anything these people need these people need employment is what they need i believe there should be some contingent if you want to receive some of these things you have to have some form of paid employment I've interviewed some of these people. They volunteer at the, the homeless shelters. Feel free to get a paying job. All right, folks, it's Wednesday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 thing to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website petro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website depetro.com the next time you have an emergency head straight to atmed urgent care Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals, they're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. You are listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor 
anchorising.com. It is our friend Justin Katz. Justin, I'd like to start off. New York Times, it was over the course of the Thanksgiving long weekend, but New York Times had a huge story, front page, above the fold, and boom, who's it on? Former governor, now Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo. Want to hear your thoughts on it? And as I put it out on Twitter, there's something pretty significant that they left out. Again, she is, uh, you know, we saw this when she was Governor Justin Katz, and she just continues this PR campaign that she gets people to write about her, drop articles, and by all accounts, this was just another flattering puff piece. Oh, yeah, I mean, you just have to read it by its own account. It was a flattering puppy. Her her office could have written this. It looked like a bio you would put on your corporate website as yeah. like the CEO description of the CEO kind of thing. It was just pure promotion, uh, which, you know, it's the New York Times. So you have to expect there's some behind the scenes inside Democrat wrangling going on. Somebody's promoting her over somebody else. But uh, as you say, the they let's leave out some pretty significant things. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of ways to go at this, but the first one that comes to mind is if you contrast this with say a similar type person who's a Republican, the one thing I noticed was absolutely missing completely. I mean, apart from any specific topics was the, the people who know her best, the locals who have a, who disagree with her or or put a little bit of a different spin on what she wants to tell the reporters. If in a Republican's case, they always find those people. You know, this person's doing wonders in the in the White House, but back home, they, they not everybody's as supportive or something to, like that. Uh, so that was clearly missing in this. And as I think you're alluding to, they didn't happen to mention they they laud her truck toll uh, <clears throat> solution, um, but they didn't mention that it's now under scrutiny and appears to be unconstitutional, which a lot of people said at the time. And actually, if you if you dig a little deeper, something very similar happened with pension reform. It was just, it wasn't as high profile. People didn't dig into it as much. I mean, it was no courts came in, but Seth Magaziner, when he became treasurer, had to re-amortize the pension debt, which was what she was trying to avoid. So that wasn't even a fix. So the real story is that she she's good at picking issues to make a big deal out of, pretending to come up with a solution that buys her some time until she goes on to the next thing. And then that's, that's basically it. She's good at that. And she's good at getting these kind of puff pieces. What was also interesting, Justin Katz was, I think the local media did uh, focus enough or really flesh out when she was hiring some of these different national PR firms uh, based in New York and so forth. These are not, to she was doing it under the guise of that it, the state was hiring them and whether it was the the tourism campaign what have you but the fact of the matter is these are not these were were not at the time but pr firms that you would hire say to get good coverage on channel 10 or get good coverage of Rhode island monthly the whole premise of hiring these national firms under the guise of it was like paid for by tourism and all this other stuff but it was really to get her pieces in the Washington Post, the New York Times. And then once again, as you know, there's this talk that Janet Yellen may be uh, leaving the Biden administration, although I'm, uh, there's mixed signals on that. Um, she learned early on, forget about sitting down and doing the, the big she, Gina Raimondo to me, she's all about finding safe spaces, if you will, but safe platforms where she knows she's not going to get ambushed. You know, she did that interview, if you remember, back in September with Jake Tapper, and it was he went after her pretty aggressively. And, and then that's the last you've seen of her. She hasn't done any of those. So, Justin, my point is she realized early on whether it was hiring some of the Providence Journal reporters or others, she only seeks out safe spaces. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's all very choreographed. She she seeks out sp- safe spaces. She she has her own PR team, often at probably mostly at taxpayer expense, yes. that drafts these articles for the journalists. So it's it's all right there for them to just piece together real quick and get a get a story out of it, uh, which saves them time and money. And she she constructs her her issues in a similar way. Pension reform. Uh, fixing the roads, uh, and it's all it's all for show. It's it's to to make it appear she's solving tough problems, taking on opposition, etc. But it, it's really just a performance. It's 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 marketing, really, and that's that's part of the part of the danger here. Eventually, I mean, right now the 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 
idea of the article is she's about to hand out, I think it was $100 billion uh, for, for chip technology, uh, to, to move chip technology to the United States. Uh, that's a lot of money. And as, as the article does um, point out, there are issues where it's not clear that the government is competent to to pick the technology that the, the whole country is going to go after and, and it's and pick a hundred billion dollars worth of vendors to do this. And that's, that's a real problem. And I think that that's where I'm, I'm certainly disappointed that the New York times didn't dig a bit, because if you've got a politician who's, who's good at getting good PR, good at picking issues and not actually solving problems, but just appearing to solve them for the time being, that's a big problem when you're talking about say a global battle for, for the future of technology between the United States and China. You can't really fake that. You can't, there's, there's nowhere else to go. And in, in 10 years, you're not going to ever say, oh, well, yeah, we'll just ignore the fact that my toll program was unconstitutional. No, you can't do that when you're talking about these international relations. And, but we don't, we don't get to see that. We don't get that feedback because her team is so good at, at getting this kind of PR that, that really is just puff pieces it's it's not new york times journalism it's it's more like people magazine profiles and that kind of stuff but presented as news you know what's interesting justin again folks speaking with justin katz our politics this week um <clears throat> is certain words that she she likes and I, I don't blame her but um you know they love the phrasing and i have to think it's almost like mapped out for the whoever's writing this piece rising star they they always love that you know she was a rising star as governor and then she's now rising star within the Biden administration it also shouldn't be lost on people justin katz i mean i i can't remember any type of positive above the fold piece on anyone within the Biden administration um you haven't seen any positive big piece about the vice president it's been quite the opposite you don't see anything about certainly uh head of health and human services Mayorkas, you don't see anything about Mayor Pete. So not only, you know, does she manage to get them to do that, but when you look at the landscape and just the the rough midterm battle uh, that this has been and President Biden trying to decide whether or not he's going to run for a second term, that's what stood out to me, just how extraordinary it was. It's not one of several puff pieces dropped about the Biden administration. I think it's the only one that I've seen. Well, that does. That's a great point. And it, it points to a, a, an advantage she has in this. I mean, she is she is intelligent and well-spoken and, and competent, at least enough to run things reasonably well. Uh, just but and compared to the, the cast of clowns in the Biden administration. I mean, when you've got people who, who every word out of their mouth is a gaffe, including Biden, you, you've got uh, Mayor Pete, who takes in the middle of supply chain problems, takes an extended uh, leave for his, his, as a family help, benefit of, of his employment, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, you're contrasting that with somebody who at least does the job. Um, and so she's benefiting from that hugely, I think. You know, again, um, before we take a break, but someone that, you know, I've covered like you, Gina Raimondo for, for over 12 years in her second term as governor, her only legacy was going to be the Bernie Sanders idea of, of when you think about a free, you know, the uh, Rhode Island choice or Rhode Island promise. That's it of the free tuition at CCRI. Aside from that, in her second term, second term, they were struggling. I mean, the truck tolls thing, when you think about it, if she had stayed, that was then overturned by the Supreme Court. But where I, I do give her credit is she recognized that COVID was like a reset. COVID was everyone started back at the finish line. It didn't matter seemingly what you did prior to that if you bungled covid uh you know that that was your your downfall and at the same token it became more about just the imaging of how you were handling covid and and you know her daily press briefings it also let's face it it certainly benefited her having cvs right in her backyard i mean of all companies to have and then they rolled out you know we were the first ones in the country rolling out the testing so We'll, we'll never know what her second term would have looked like. It wasn't going to be anything glamorous, that's for sure. They were looking for something to kind of hang their hat on. But she was she was certainly astute enough to recognize, okay, this doesn't matter what you did six months or a year ago. It only matters right now how you're handling this. And then, you know, certain people handled it better than others. I would also say, you know, the governor of Florida recognized that, that he this was an opportunity to really jump into motion, 
Florida, they were different than the rest of the country, a lot of COVID procedures. And then you saw some people that they rose and, and fell, which was like, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo, New York, and then Newsom in, in uh, California. Uh, they were rising stars one day and then fell the next. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on The John DePietro Show. This is the perfect time of year to have some paving done for your home, residential, commercial, seal coating, and patios. Make it letter J, J. Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call them today for a free estimate, 401-732-1730. The next couple of months, get your driveway prepared for wintertime. Call J. Perry Paving today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. Licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting their clients' needs no matter how big or how small. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. Call J. Perry Paving today. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Remember, even asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. Look for them on Facebook and call 401-732-1730. Remember, no one's better to veterans then J. Perry Paving, call them today, 401-732-1730. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, free estimate, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorrising.com. Justin, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Now, we all know the soccer stadium that is coming in Pawtucket, of which still makes no sense. And there's it really hasn't gone under construction they just did a ceremonial thing oh let's do the shovels and so forth but they tried to do this spin it was actually kind of comical when you look at the amount of money that it's going to cost taxpayers in the soccer stadium and mike rea who worked with uh, gina Ramondo, who's also uh, i be- believe not exactly a fan of yours i know he's not a fan of mine but he um he's taken on the pr for this project and they tried to and I, I, to me, shame on the local media. They just run the press release. But, you know, wow, they broke a record on season tickets sold at the outset. I think it was twenty five hundred. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to see exactly who was buying those. But I see this as one of those things that it, this is the ultimate, you know, a, a pig can't sing. I mean, a lipstick on a pig, no matter how they try to spin this with us. Oh, look at this record season ticket sold it still pales in comparison of how much money we have to spend on this stadium. It does. And, you know, the whole thing feels just kind of phony, which, you know, coming from Raya and a Raimondo acolyte, you know, it kind of makes sense. But I mean, I, maybe I missed it. Maybe I'm not paying as close attention as I could, but I'm not picking up that level of, excitement in the community i'm not no we're not seeing we're not seeing you know regular press releases oh we've we've enlisted this star soccer player or the, the team is still a, a a big question mark as far as i know uh, and we're, we're just not seeing that kind of thing and then all of a sudden we broke records on on ticket sales now to be clear that's still a 25 percent of the of the stadium so we're not talking full full stadiums every time and it's also 24 dollars, and you can buy up to 10 so you're talking an, up to no no fewer than six thousand people and for 60 grand total to buy all those that kind of pales as you say in comparison with the millions tens of millions of dollars scores of millions of dollars rhode islanders are kind of pouring into this thing it just kind of feels like you know there are a lot of people with incentive from unions to the governor to make this look like a big thing. And so it's kind of PR 101. People are starting to say, hey, you're, we just kind of approved all this extra money for them and the costs are going up. How's this thing really going? Let's go on a PR blitz. Uh, what, what do we have? Oh, well, let's, uh, let's show the logo. Okay, we'll go with the logo. And then, you know, our, well, wouldn't it be great if we could break records on, on ticket, early ticket sales? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I would love to see the list of people purchasing those tickets. I'm sure it's private information, but it would be very interesting to see that because I, I don't know. There's just something kind of off oh, of yeah. that. It, it, could like, it could be the yeah, unions just exactly. buying it because then it, 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 well, again, it's, 
it's it's nickels on the dollar compared to what they're going to make off of this. Yeah, and it could be I don't know when you've got the governor heavily invested and with tons of COVID money still to hand out and uh, need, needing to cover himself as he starts a new term. You know, it could be even just casual pressure. Oh, hey, you know, yeah, we're we're definitely going to talk about that project you want to do with the state. Hey, by the way, did you hear that the tickets are going on sale for the soccer stadium? You know, I mean, you could you buy. 10 and that's 240 bucks it's not a, it's it's not a big investment to get the governor's approval you know that kind of that kind of thing starts to feel like it's especially when there's just not i i just don't get the sense that rhode islanders are on the edge of their seats i can't wait to go out and get my reserve my season tickets for this thing i it's just it's just it's not really plausible. And so we're in that world of, of just kind of, it feels like everything's PR and phony and, and just to promote shuffling money around basically. Justin, I'll go a step further. I mean, the world cup is happening right now. If they were serious about it, how about put big screen TV, you know, big screen TVs out there, have uh, free soccer clinics, invite all local soccer teams to come and be part of like a soccer clinic. And then, watch the game they they could this this is the height of soccer right now is the world cup going on and they, they, they're not doing anything i mean there are local places where people are gathering and watching the games but if there was ever a window of opportunity to try to build excitement around the team it would be right now during the world cup and they're not even doing anything Right. Yeah. And, and they'd be out in the communities with all the all the soccer leagues trying to become the face of soccer in Rhode Island. Right. You know, but even farther than that, they didn't even put soccer in their team name. They, they, they did the FC, which football club, which is more of a European thing. We don't call it football in Rhode Island. No. In the United States, we call it soccer. But it, so they, they almost it's almost like they they're not even thinking in terms of the soccer community in the state. It's just it's just a business doing business with the with the government. And that's why you're right. There's an they're not doing the sorts of things if they were genuinely building support. They're just declaring that support already exists. Well, yeah, we know support exists from people who are getting paid from the deal. And it's it's not unreasonable to think that maybe they goose their numbers a little bit by getting these people to to go out and you know give a good show. Sort of like the sort of like the, the government handout equivalent of mail ballots. You know, that's an excellent point on the FC football club because <clears throat> I mean, talk about a confusing message. Anyone Pawtucket is is maybe 20 minutes from from Foxborough. And if there's any football club in this region, it's the team that plays at Gillette Stadium. It certainly isn't going to be a minor league team at Pawtucket. So they can't even do that right. Folks, again, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, this is the big week. Thursday, uh, pot sales become legal in Rhode Island, and which means that recreational uh, people can just go out, buy it. It's obviously no longer illegal. I, I would question, they, you know, police really have kind of stopped enforcing it. But um, I just, I, I don't see this any positive development with this other than they just look at the tax revenues. But other than that, I mean, already roads are a problem. Businesses can't get workers. Um, you, you're, you're just about to make many people in the state even less motivated to go out. And I'm trying to figure out how in any way this is a positive development for the state. No, it's not. I mean, I'm not against I'm not against legalizing marijuana. And I think as on libertarian grounds, but that's just not how we're going about it. Right. It's just like casinos. We didn't just say, you know what, we shouldn't be in any state. Gambling is now legal. Instead, we say, okay, the government's going to basically outsource a a government casino or two to to the to the state. It's the same kind of deal here where the government's really regulating. It's so heavily taxed. It might as well be. it's, It's more like the government is outsourcing. They're limiting the number of places that can do it. And I'm just not as you say with the roads, I'm not confident that the state government is able to execute its own activities in a way to deal with the problems that that increased freedom with this sort of drug can can create. I mean, already, I mean, driving around, I live on the border of Massachusetts. I mean, everybody in Rhode Island lives on the border of Massachusetts. Driving around, it's sort of like marijuana smell has replaced cigarette smell in the air. Uh, it's, yes. it's, so, it's, it's just, it's everywhere. You can it smell is. it on people, you can smell it in cars and you know, whatever, that's, that's fine. But I, as, as these people are on the roads, the, the police around here are not, I mean, are not basking in glory lately. The, the roads are not great. We get, we have 
plenty of, we've got problems with, as you say, the, the economy and a workforce. It's just, we're not, we don't focus on fundamentals. Instead, it's, it's the state government trying to cash in on the latest thing that they can make legal in order to, to get some, some extra revenue. And that's, that's really the feel of it all, which is why I think it doesn't feel positive because it's not, it's not an expansion of freedom. If anything, it's, it's the government trying to just edge into, to a captured population who, who wants the drug and the government's in the way and will, will supply it for a price. Exactly. And on top of that, you know, think of the efforts they've made to convince people that smoking is bad for you. And let's face it, I mean, it has worked. You see less people smoke. When's the last time you were inside somewhere and someone lit up a cigarette? I can't remember the last time that actually happened. But uh, I don't care what anyone says. It is still a gateway drug. There were kids that I knew. Again, not for everyone. Doesn't mean everyone goes in. But there were kids that they're like, hey, I like the way this feels. And they want to try something even harder and get even a stronger high and so forth. I, I just find it hypocritical as as the McKee administration that talk about the opioid crisis. Well, you know, no one just starts out trying uh, fentanyl or trying heroin. It's it's usually a slow process of, hey, let's try this, let's try that. That's even a bigger high, and it kind of leads down there. So to me, I I think it's like they want to have it both ways. They're trying to preach to people the dangers of cigarette smoking. As you say now, it's so prevalent. I don't remember the last time I smelled cigarette smoke, but you smell pot, smell pot smoke everywhere. Um, or cannabis, whatever. Um, and it's all about the revenue. It's all about the revenue that just shows that it's really not about, quote, trying to keep people safe and this other stuff. It's just all about the revenue. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe. Trusted oil delivery. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. You can find them online, matthewsoil.com. Matthews Oil, Premier Dealer, Rhode Island, delivering the highest quality heating fuels at Matthews Oil. They take pride providing reliable, affordable service for you and your family. Celebrating 90 years of service. Call them now. It's going to be a cold winter. Get that tank filled. Call Matthews Oil Company today. 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company. 401-942-7500. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. Start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, topetro.com. Joining us right now, independent columnist, siblings, it is Donna Perry. And DJ, let's start off. Boy, Kevin McCarthy, for all this talk about 2024, Kevin McCarthy, he is on the verge of being and becoming the most powerful Republican in the country. Yes, and good to be with you, um, John. the thing with McCarthy, even though he does have to, you know, get the vote and that's going to happen in January, but he, despite, you know, a lot of back and forth, he is on his way to not only the most powerful Republican right now, John, he, he really can now lay out a bit of an adjusted roadmap, I would argue, you know, that, and he can a little bit detour from Trump, who was the biggest Republican, you know, and I think this is a big moment for McCarthy um, as they go forward. Um, I would point to whatever it was several days ago, you know, they had a big press conference on the border. And I think what he has, some of the things they brought out, John, is they are hearing very loud and clear from their constituencies, people feel the, the border has not been, not only is it not really working right, um, and they want to go after Mayorkas and just say, you know, you keep saying the border is secure, and it's completely the opposite. That's right. Um, and I think some things I thought are very little more innovative, and hopefully he's working with some, I'm sure he is, some very good people, like he's saying they want to hold the immigration hearings at the border, for instance. Now, a lot of the media would probably try to sidestep that, but I think that's actually, you know, kind of an innovative idea and just say we want to show firsthand to Americans in a really concentrated way what has really been going on down here. So I think 
this is a big test for McCarthy. This is going to be a big moment. Obviously, you know, you have to keep a lot of people on board. As you and I know, John, there are some very, you know, a little more far, far right Republicans that are in that caucus and they, they're going to want to see what they want to see. So I think it's a big test of can he be, actually, he needs to be the Republican version of really of what a Nancy Pelosi did manage to do yep. for, for a long time. And that was to keep both sides, you know, in, in the fold. And that's what a really a big political leader does. So well, he's, Don, uh, he's got a big, big, you know, task ahead. Donna Perry, you spent time in D.C. Talk about who was speaker at that time and what, what is it like uh, you know, someone has described to me, you know, the, you know, the president really doesn't go out a lot in Washington. The vice president doesn't. The speaker is different. The speaker's on Capitol Hill. The speaker's more accessible. In many ways, whoever, whether it's, you know, going back to, you know, Newt Gingrich or whether it's Nancy Pelosi or whoever, right. that really becomes the dominant person out and about in D.C. Well, they, they really do. And everyone wants their ear. Um, now, this sounds awful. When I first started, I mean, it was past the Tip O'Neill era, which, of course, mm. was the most famous under Reagan in the 80s. Um, and I was there late 80s, just around to 90. Um, and then it was, I have to remember, because it turned into um, Indiana's big rep at the time, Bob. Right. And I can't, I feel All awful. Right, not to put you on the spot, <laughs> but just the role of the speaker. Talk oh, about yeah. The role of the speaker. Oh, the role of the speaker, John. Like, nothing in a way people would say the speaker is no one is almost bigger than the president. And in some ways in Washington's world, because so much is at stake with the way they're going to handle, you know, what gets introduced, what gets hidden, what gets, you know, thrown away, what gets on the floor. And so they become. The, really the center of gravity of the town, you know, because mm. they will, you know, let's be honest, the lobbyists want their ear, not just the members, of course, are always trying to work it. Um, and so that's just a huge, huge role. Um, in, and it's, it's going to control a lot of, you know, the tempo of what happens. I, I would just say as a cautionary to any of the Republicans, we are in a time when people are going to want to see some way, somehow, to feel a little more confident about the U.S. economy. I don't think that's like a small thing, you know what I mean? So I think that they, you, you can't just look like, oh, you know, we got to go after the Dems on this and that. You, you, you know, you have to reverse some policy, and it might be to relax where maybe tax policy was going to get you know, go, go up and, and say, no, we're not doing that to the public, but I think they're going to have to deliver. It's interesting. It's a lot like the, the speaker, in, whether it be the Massachusetts on Beacon Hill or the renowned state house, many ways, the speaker is the inside player. The speaker does hold a lot of power. I remember one speaker yep. of the Rhode Island house, you know, someone, I was with someone and with that person and they asked if they ever had any eyes on maybe someday running for governor. And, he looked like they don't. You, they don't call me out when there's a blizzard. They don't call me out when there's a hurricane. Right, that's true. For bridge, like I'm not doing that. The Senate gets the judges. We get the budget, and whatever the money is, that's where the power is. Now, speaking of uh, power, uh, folks, and again, we're speaking with Donna Perry. What's going on in China right now, DJ, cannot be ignored. This is a pivotal moment right now going on in China. Yeah. And John, it really is extraordinary because um, I think even beyond Russia or Iran or something, I mean, China, you just do not see mass protests. No. Um, we can all point to when there has been because that's how unusual it is. And I would just say, you know, isn't it funny after all that we all went through that back to the COVID, I mean, this is really about the public has exploded if people hadn't been following it because there was a fire. Um, I forget which uh, a province, rather remote Xinjiang province, but there was 10 people killed in a fire because this is so awful. They were in quarantine and they lock them inside. Oh. We've seen some of these images, JD. They, they like nailed the door shut. Yeah. They could, the poor people, and they could not get out and they died in the fire. Um, because this is this, it is, John, is beyond irrational. Yeah. This zero COVID 
insane thing in China, of all places, where, you know, people feel we still really didn't get the answer of how COVID started. And so now you have the optics for President Xi. I, I would argue this could be his biggest political threat. You know, you don't see thousands of people. They are taking to the street. I think it's remarkable. The little bit of coverage is through cell phone, you know, cell pictures that anything that gets out or videos. And they're saying, I don't care if the police are here. I am willing to risk myself. Like, we will not stand for this anymore. And, you know, it is unbelievable as we almost enter 2023 that, mm. they, that they are taking this insanely like i say just a rational approach and but when you have thousands on the streets i think she's government john i think they're thrown by this um yeah. because the people are just saying i i don't care and but i also think what's been going on under she who is just the iron-fisted type of leader you know th this is also a control of the population it, it really is beyond covid I mean, the idea of, oh, we'll just lock you down, you know. Literally lock them down. Yeah. The door so, locked and the firefighters couldn't even get to them. It's, so, you know, right. It's so I terrible. It's, but it is remarkable. You do not see, I think that of all the, you know, authoritarian nations, I think China, you know, you don't see the people just flooding out. We don't care. The police... Especially as um, other and some writers have pointed out, I mean, they are such a massive surveillance state. That's right. So they really follow their people, which is mm. awful. So, but we'll you're right. See. It is. It's rare nationwide protests that are going on in China right now. Yeah, yeah. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry, right here on the John DePietro Show. The Kuisa Inn. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn remain healthy stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland you can also look for her on facebook but call her 401-305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ice honey maple syrup beef fresh gum over 250 bulk herbs teas and spices plus hemp and cbd products natural skin care it's my health pop in and see marie 1099 menden road in cumberland there's things for your pets there's things for your children there's things for your health stay healthy at it's my health 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 .9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok, plus you, if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, dipetro.com.